With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are YWales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, YWales, wherever in the world you are today. Uh, so today is November 11th. Uh, it's voting day. Everyone go out and vote if you're here in the United States, uh, anywhere from coast to coast. Um, it's also the day that FTX is, is we're starting to see a few teeters uh, in, in the uh, in the wall of, of that uh, that massive behemoth that, that Sam Bankman has built. Um, and so a little uncertainty. I sit here today and they just, uh, as we're recording this, we just got noticed that FTX has halted withdrawals. Don't know what that means. Could, could be uh, back open within an hour or could be some more to Celsius and other ones. Um, but the most important part is, you know, again, cryptocurrencies is not Web3, uh, an entire asset class. And so part of the entire education that we constantly do is to help people to really derive a differentiator between what's happening in the cryptocurrency market, uh, which is derivatives trading of, of sorts, or you can uh, define it in a variety of ways, um, versus actual blockchain technologies, which is NFTs, uh, blockchains level ones, uh, zeros and threes, or wherever you want to look at those. Mm -hmm. um, and so today we're really here to talk about CodaMade um, with, with Mark and Tony and so let's, let's just dive right into that. So Mark, would you mind giving a little bit of your background? Uh, you have a very storied history and I'm excited how you ended up in this asset class. Um, high school dropout that fell into fine art photography um, uh, in the early to mid 90s. Um, uh, worked as a courier in a print shop and uh, uh, was able to play with the photographs at night, you know, at, at the print shop. And um, in the mid 90s, a lot of print shops were... Um, <clears throat> we're starting to have in-house advertising agencies. So through graphic design, I fell into, uh, you know, I fell into printing, had a love for printing. Um, and then our first agency was born out of kind of one of these failed print shops. We kind of had to figure out what to do. And me and a partner started an agency uh, that lasted about four years. Um, and then in 2001, I started MAD. Um, kind of the same thing, uh, you know, quickly invested into a print shop and, you know, kind of grew both the advertising and the print print side uh, based on opportunities, um, but always had a love for tech. I, I, I tell people I read one too many William Gibson books as a kid and just, you know, had a, <laughs> had a massive love for, for, uh, for technology and, you know, always wondered why we were so far behind. Um, so, you know, with that got into, um, we had a lot of telecom clients, so we got into mobile applications kind of early days. Um, AR and VR also very early, um, as early as 2005, um, continued to use VR almost as a marketing tool for the agency. We were constantly building, you know, these really amazing, um, projects, you know, a lot of them in house or, you know, on spec for clients, you know, just to kind of see if there was a market for it. Um, but what that did was really, you know, people would say, oh, you can do that. You can easily do my marketing campaign and my emails. Right. So it was, you know, it was a real, you know, growth provider for us. So, you know, um, you know, and, you know, that was it then, uh, you know, created a bunch of different divisions within the company kind of as we saw opportunities um, and brought on some partners um, in some of these. Uh, we started a dev uh, side of the business where software development, you know, mixed with hardware sometimes. Um, and that started about 15 years ago. Um, we you know, we had a uh, what's called Mad Arts, which was uh, 
a nonprofit that we started in the business to kind of pay it like a force, pay it forward, um, you know, working with artists, giving them the resources of the agency. Um, that really actually led us into NFTs. Um, one of the artists we were working with was like, hey, I, I really want to get into NFTs. And we had taken a look at it, but we we didn't feel like we were ready for it. We um, Most of the people that we had met, we we weren't comfortable working with in the, in the you know, in the Web3 and crypto space. And we were like, let's just hold off and see what's going on. And, um, you know, with this artist asking us to get in, um, his name was David Carson. He was like a personal hero for a bunch of us. He's like a graphic design legend. And we got into the space and got a, a very quick education on kind of what was going on there in the space. Um, understood that it was a completely different uh, community than, you know, the current art community, which was interesting. And it was artist focused, which was you know, amazing for us because we all consider ourselves artists first, you know, and, um, you know, with that, you know, we popped up a company called Mad NFT, which was supposed to be a side project for fun, um, you know, creating our own NFTs and helping artists create NFTs. And uh, maybe two months later, I met Tony and uh, the, all these opportunities started happening in and around public art. And, um, you know, shortly thereafter, you know, Tony and I formed uh, CodaMade. Uh, a combination of the two companies, Coda Works and Mad, and um, you know from there uh, we built uh, a uh, a really interesting uh, beta test, you know, which was a proof of concept, you know, to show that there was an interest in public art, you know, um, for NFTs, you know, both from the public art agencies and the artists alike. That's fabulous. Yeah. Um, so, so real quick, and, and again, great history there. And, and again, coming from an asset class that's now merging or transitioning in some ways in, into this new Web three, yeah. um, you know, NFTs is is you know it's the new JPEG. Um, yeah. It's a new concept of which people didn't understand. You know, back when Web one right. and Web two were rolling out. You know, how is art going to be affected? Um, and we've seen it be a massive enhancement uh, to artists around the world and to have that digital format. So I'm excited to to yeah. kind of uh, get a little Tony. Of your, your background and then hear exactly what you guys built today. Okay. All right. We're, thank you so much for having us, Jay. We really appreciate it. Um, I've spent my entire career building companies to help artists make a living. That's underlying every single thing I've ever done. Um, my first business, which I started in the 80s, was a directory publishing business for artists who did large commissioned art. Uh, that company ran for 24 years. My second company um, is called Artful Home. It Today, it's the largest e-commerce company um, for artists to create uh, products for the home, furniture, lighting, that kind of thing. Um, and then uh, Coda Works came out of my first directory publishing business, taking that to the internet. And it is a platform that brings together artists who do public art, the people who commission that kind of work, architects, public art agencies, um, developers, and then the entire ecosystem they work with to to bring these pieces of artwork to life. Fabricators, lighting designers, engineers. I mean, it really does require an ecosystem. And um, 
uh, along the way, and as part of the process of what we do, I created, uh, we produce uh, a wonderful conference on art and technology. And um, as a result, over the years, I've been able to see how artists are using technology tools to create new art forms, everything from projection mapping, experiential artwork, uh, interactive artwork. And so in, I, I have always felt that if you've got new technology, artists will take those tools and figure out how to do something exciting and extraordinary with it. And thus my interest in NFTs and um, meeting Mark, gave me the opportunity to figure out not only uh, how can we sell NFTs, because I know how to do that, I, how do we show artists what the potential in terms of a whole new medium for creation. Yeah, and we're so early in this mm -hmm. in this cycle. Yep. Um, you know, and, uh, NFTs are at best maybe thirty months old. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've we've seen kind of the rise. There's you know now what what people are referring to as NFTs 2.0, which you know has more real world or utility value. So a little bit more of the concept of just digital scarcity, which mm -hmm. is a very strange concept to me. Digital scarcity is not a real thing. <laughs> um, artificial scarcity is, um, but but digitally we can we can make copies and replicas of everything else. So the idea of of you know artificial scarcity or you know kind of how artists artists or project projects want to manage um, you know access to their art or access to their their communities or content um, is a very interesting thing so mm -hmm. jump jump really right into Tony if you don't mind you know exactly how the process or or um, how coda made um, you know how an artist would onboard and, and what that looks like for um, for the artists and then we'll, and we'll jump over and talk about what it looks like for the consumers well, and, and Jay, I just want to reiterate something you said. We are so early, and one of the traits that Mark and I share is that whenever we see a new technology, we hold hands and go rushing into it as fast as we can. So, um, Good. Uh, it, because you, I, you never know what it's going to, going to turn into, but we know we want to be there. We want to be there. Mm -hmm. The opportunities are great. So the the concept and what we have done to date, and we actually do have some examples, is when a piece of public art is installed. That's a major event for a city. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. years in the making. It's a lot of money that's being spent. And it's going to produce something that hopefully will become an icon for the city for the citizens of the city, for the people who visit that city. And so how do we take that piece of work or that installation and expand on the physical piece and take it into the virtual world, the digital world, so that not only can it be, it, it, it extends um, the tools that are available to the artist, but it also makes it available not just to the people who live in that community or the people who visit that community, but to people around the world who are interested mm -hmm. in art. So it's, it's, it's really an extension and, and an expansion. In a, I mean, imagine if you go to Chicago and visit the Bean. You know, people buy replicas of that. 
Mm-hmm. Imagine if you could have it in your home or your office or on your computer. So that's my response, and I'm sure Mark can do something a little more eloquent than that. Of course. No, I mean, I, I think NFTs, you know, I, I fell in love with them because I realized there was a medium that you can, that artists could use that you allow them to do things they couldn't do anywhere else. Um, the first one that mm-hmm. I saw that kind of caught my attention that way was a piece by Daniel Arsham. And it was just a bust on a, on a pedestal sitting uh, in front of a window and it degenerated and regenerated over the course of one year. Like, All right, that's kind of cool. But then wherever you were in the world, when you opened it in your digital wallet, it would mimic your weather outside the back window. And I was like, man, intersecting with di- live data that way, right? And staying on chain, you know, and, and, and being able to authenticate and, you know, have the artist have say over what their piece does <clears throat> even after it's created, right? You yep. can't, can't do that with any other medium, right? So what are, what are the limits? And I'm, you know, because of the agency side, we're data guys, right? And so, and we love that. And so we were just like, <clears throat> the possibilities are endless, you know? And so, um, you know, that was where we, a lot of the artists we were working with um, we had an artist come to us and uh, a pretty high-end NFT artist named Corey Van Lu, and he was like, hey, I want to I want to paint this car in the metaverse. You know, he had gotten asked to paint this car and turn it into an NFT. And he's like, I want to paint it in the metaverse. And I'm like, all right, well, how do you do that? And so, you know, we brought him in. Uh, we have a motion capture studio inside of our, our facility and brought a car in and started playing with it. And um, re- he's got a real specific set of brush strokes and colors that he uses. So we realized we'd have to build him a game controller, um, you know, to, to use as his paintbrush basically so that we could know what he was doing and not have it be clunky. And then, you know, that turned into, he's like, Hey, it's going to get boring watching me do this, you know, for, for hours on a time, what else can people interact with in this metaverse? Right. And so, you know, seeing an artist get a hold of these tools and just watch their mind go crazy when they see that there's no limit. Um, you know, that was, it was, you know, it's, it's a new world, literally, for artists. And, um, you know, seeing the artists get excited about these things as they understand it. Um, you know, Corey's 31 years old, but we're also working with artists that are significantly older and, and, and further along in their careers. And when they start to understand the possibilities of it and see, you know, that, hey, there's just no rules. Like, you know, you can do, if you can think it, you can do it. It's, um, it's, it's I mean, there, there's nothing better. Yeah, that's amazing. So when we're talking about the, the the technology, and you know, now then you're kind of bouncing back and forth in between, you know, true artists, and and I'm going to raise my hand and say I don't always understand art, right. um, and you know, but I understand the technology behind things. The the biggest point that I love about NFTs is the ability to have validated um, metrics, which which you're you know, Mark, you just said you like you're you're a data guy um, for for communities, and so generally, mm-hmm. you know, the art world is very heavily driven by communities. It's very you know these these are art functions or parties. There's a lot of things that that you know need to be be known. And the idea that you can have anyone in the world at any time instantly validated and verified for owning mm-hmm. these artworks, um, what does that do for for communities? You want to take that time? Well, first of all, let me thank you for asking that. And and we, uh, Mark and I, understand how important communities are in the NFT space. But that's what we have created at CodaWorks is an amazing community, this ecosystem of all of the players. There is no hierarchy. 
I'm, I'm not a fan of hierarchies, and the art world has a lot of hierarchies. But in, in Coda Works, whether you are the fabricator who makes the sculpture or the artist who uh, comes up with the idea for the sculpture or the company that installs the sculpture, everybody's a collaborator, everybody is necessary to the process. So I love the concept of a digital community where everyone can interact because that's what we've tried to create with CodaWorks and I think we've succeeded in that. And this allows us to just expand that. Does that answer your it, question, Jay? No, it, it, absolutely, it absolutely does. So when you guys, uh, and currently, Correct me if I'm wrong. You have about twenty thousand um, artists that mm -hmm. are that are inside your your platforms, and so there's a lot of collaboration and ideas that are flowing. Because let's be clear, artists are are not uh, quiet or non vocal mm -hmm. people. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of thoughts, and there's a yeah. lot of concepts. How how do you manage from a com from that community? How do you manage expectations and and you know roadmaps of where you guys are going? So. You know, we're we're at our infancy as well, right? So not only you know NFTs, you could say, are in their you know not even toddler stage, but we're we're at our our real infancy. You know, so we had our proof of concept launch October twelfth. Um, you know, we've worked with probably we worked with seven artists on that proof of concept, and then we've probably worked with ten others in in what we're doing specifically in this area. But you know, talked with hundreds. Um, you know, most of the artists in the Coda Work slash Coda Made community they don't want to spend eight hours a day on NFT Twitter or, you know, uh, Discord or Clubhouse or any of these. They just don't have the time. These are busy working artists on big projects. Yep. And the, the current NFT community wants to hear from the artists, right? There's, you know, we have, we have, a, we have a problem that we had to overcome, you know? So, you know, with, with Coda Made, what we've been trying to do is we've been engaging with the, the public art agencies to kind of create this new community. So we have the existing Coda Works community, which is tight and amazing and very, so many parodies to the, you know, to the NFT community. You know, it's, it was, it was, it was amazing to see and learn that. Um, so as we're working with these public art agencies, you know, we're asking the public art agencies to include NFTs in their RFPs when they're asking to have these pieces of work produced, right? So the artists are producing these and then the public art agency is buying a certain percentage of those NFTs. And then the artist is also able to push out these NFTs to their collector base and their community. So the public art agencies are able to start. The idea is that they're going to start to create this community within the, the local community that is proud of this piece that's been produced, that wants to participate and be part of it. And, and you had brought up utility and, you know, we're talking about how, how eventually these pieces could be used as utilities or, um, you know, um, in city of Atlanta, we're working with someone where both the artist and the, the municipality are looking at donating their percentage of sales of the NFTs to charities in the community. Right. So to do good, you know, cause that's always a knock, right? Why are we spending money mm -hmm. on public art when the community has all these problems? So we're looking yeah. at this. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's very, that's very cool. So real quick, help me understand because the NFT, because it is such a very new technology and, and everyone's still evolving, um, define, you know, in your guys with, with Coda made how, uh, Tony, if you don't mind, kind of how you think of, of NFT, you know, in, in my mind, um, an NFT is, is a key. It's, it's a key to a gateway and it, it allows mm -hmm. you to unlock things. Uh, and that mm -hmm. could be a very simple uh, access uh, to a community. It could be, you know, unlocking ownership uh, to a physical item or, or your 
your just your digital good. Um, but but what is when someone buys a, a um, an artist's Coda made NFT. What what is kind of the the core value that you guys are trying to push and, and derive for both the the purchaser at, and for the artist? You know, I will answer that by taking telling you how I feel about public art and why I love public art. Public art is for everyone. It is for the person walking through an airport, or visiting a hotel, or staying in a hospital. Public art is for everyone, as opposed to when when most of the world thinks of art, they think of going to a museum, um, going to a gallery. Well, the percentage of people who do that is very, very small. But everyone, uh, everyone experiences public art in one form or another uh, every single day. And that, to me, that has always felt like the most important kind of art. It's, it doesn't cost anything. You experience it everywhere you go. And, and that is how I'm viewing the NFTs we want to create. We want to do, as we work with these artists, you, you asked earlier about expectations. I think our community, it's so new they're all saying, you know, how, how many should I make? How should I price it? Um, we are steering them to lower price pieces and larger additions so that we can continue that concept of having art for everyone. So we, at, at this time, because it's still very undefined, we are thinking about NFTs, and some will be more expensive because there'll be uh, animation and um, sound and, and uh, all, all of the technology tools that MAD can provide. But beyond that, we want to have lower priced NFTs where when someone visits a piece of artwork, they can, they can take it home with them in a virtual way. Or when someone in South Korea wants to see a piece of public art that's just been in the news, they can find it on Coda uh, Made. So that's, that's sort of the basic concept of how I come at it. Um, the, we can talk later about um, money and pricing because there are other reasons why I believe so strongly in the metaverse yeah, and this what's, NFT. What's, what's, yeah, let's jump right into that because I, I was going to say, what's the business model and metrics behind this? You guys are, uh, while well, you you love public art and you have lots mm -hmm. of love for the mm -hmm. space, um, businesses unfortunately require capital to continue operating, <laughs> and this is a very this is a very free flight. You'd be shocked how many you sprinkle mm -hmm. some mag magic, uh, you know, blockchain dust on anything, and suddenly it's got a magic massive valuation. But but the the concept I have is that you know the the technology um, is, is really just you know getting to the starting line. From there, mm -hmm. all the work has to happen. Of, of making sure that there is derived value, that, that the, the purchasers do see uh, long-term long value in this. And, and so mm -hmm. there's a lot of concepts um, in here. So I'd just love to hear kind of, again, that, that, that onboarding, you know, talk to me about like, hey, I, Jay as a photographer wants to onboard onto your platform. Right. What does that look like? And, and you know, how, does, how do my, uh, my fans, of which there are zero, um, how do they engage with me? Yeah. So, Go ahead, Mark. Um, you know, there's a, yeah. 
I'll, I'll, I'll take some of it. I'll let Tony take the other. She's probably better at talking about it, but I, I'm jumping in. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's a curated marketplace. So we're going to take 10%, uh, you know, of the sales. The other 90% is for, for the artists. Um, we've got uh, membership tiers that we're looking at here. Um, so we're, a big part of our platform is education, right? So we, we understand that there's artists getting in here that don't know what an NFT is and they're confused between NFT and blockchain and how do I navigate this space and all these things. So, you know, for us, it's going to be a constantly evolving membership. We'll con I mean, education part of it that we'll constantly be adding to. So we're looking at education both from the artist from the collector and then also from like we were talking about before the public art agencies, you know, how do we keep them apprised and how do we keep them also safe, you know, in this, you know, in this ecosystem, right. From, you know, making sure that, you know, as they're interacting with artists and communities and wanting to maybe go deeper, you know, like let's say DAOs or other, other things, how do we keep them, you know, <clears throat> how do, how do we help them navigate that space properly? So that's part of it. We've got a hardware component because that's always a big question. Okay, I bought this NFT. What do I do with it? So we've got a whole hardware, you know, based on the relationships that CodeWorks already had with major technology companies like Panasonic and Epson Barco, um, you know, and then, you know, one of our investors is also, um, you know, he's a manufacturer of uh, cameras and, and screens, you know, um, and has a plant, has associations with plants in China. So, you know, we're, we have a whole hardware side of it that we want to help people, you know, the collectors, how do we display it and how do we get more people to see what we're, these, um, these amazing pieces that these artists are producing. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, you know, that's a big, big part of it. And then from, I don't know, Tony, do you want to talk about the collector side and, you know, kind of mm -hmm. some of the other ideas that mm -hmm. we have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we are uh, looking at the um, museum model of a collector's circle where uh, people can join at a much higher level and have access to early NFTs or um, uh, conversations with the artists, perhaps some travels. That's a, that's a, because I, I have participated in the museum world, that's a very important part of a museum model is how they offer something special to their collectors. And you see that being replicated all the time in the NFT world. So I, I, I think it's a perfect example. But I, I want to, and, and we, we do, we have done uh, uh, three-year financial projections and... Um, um, underscoring it all is, of course, NFT sales. And, you know, we, we're going to take a year or two to really figure that out. But um, we're feeling very good about the other uh, forms of revenue that we baked into this model. But the other thing I want to talk about, Jay, if you don't mind, <laughs> is, is, the, the one of the major reasons why we are attracted to the NFT space, and that is it puts the artist at the core of the creator is where they're in control, they get most of the revenue, they get ongoing revenue. It, it takes what is a terrible model. The art world is a terrible model for artists. You know, you, you have to pay a gallery 50%. You don't get anything if, it, if the piece resells. The NFT world sets that on its, on its upside down. It, it turns it upside down. And that is what I love about this world. It puts the artist yeah, the, the, in control. 
Yeah, the concepts of combining NFTs, which is one blockchain technology, with smart contracts, which are another blockchain technology, um, really does put you know change the game in a, in a number of ways. The the idea that um, you know let's let's take a, a purely digital NFT. You know, you can ensure that for the life of, of that NFT, which theoretically is forever, um, that the artist or or whatever designation that artist gives of where where uh, funds should be deposited um, will just every time that is being traded it will it will um, they'll get residual value from that so number one huge and I completely agree from there mm-hmm. uh, the concept of, of a digital certificate with a physical item um, is is exactly what will help decrease fraud mm-hmm. um, you know and, and increase value over time um, because you know we're used to like hey you've got a certificate that comes with it it's signed and you still have to send it away and I, I know very little about the art world but you still have to have a third party validate and verify mm-hmm. it and and that has to happen, you know, every every time it's changing hands, no matter what the, the chain of custody is. So you're talking about a massive amount of efficiency. Yeah. Um, you're talking about, you know, a massive amount of history that can be that can be collected and passed down uh, through that artwork. So I, I see, I, I completely agree with you. It's it's the right technology. We're just so early um, that we get to define, you know, right now or play around with what should this or should this not look like. Um, and and there's there's a lot there. Talk, uh, you know. Talk a little bit about your technology stack, if you don't remember. We're we're, we're a group of uh, nerds. Um, Ethereum, Solana, uh, you know, Polygon. Where where are you guys primarily focused right now? Ethereum, yeah. You know, um, based on who we were talking to, you know, we knew, um, you know, a lot of the questions that we got asked were, you know, about the you know, um, the environment and you know these sorts of things. And with the with the merger, you know, we we just felt like Ethereum was the way to go. Um, you know, something else that was real important to us since the community that we're talking to are not savvy crypto people. You know, we, we needed to be able to you know do credit card transactions. You know, and you know the way that when as we were looking at it, Ethereum made it the easiest for us. Uh, you know, to you know and. Me and Tony probably aren't the best uh, technology guys on that's that. okay. I'm a part of the team to talk about uh, all the back end and what went into that. Um, you know, so but you know we you know as those decisions were being made, you know, uh, you know it was, you know, it, there didn't seem to be a lot of questions about what we were going to go on, and it was Ethereum from the beginning. Yeah, you know, but the the part of this that that really is relevant is that you guys are curating. Um, and mm-hmm. so when people go on open seas or, or, you know, uh, magic Eden or any of the other NFT marketplaces, it, it's really kind of game on, um, what you don't know what you're getting. You don't really know who's mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And so the very much similar to what we're doing here today, where I'm interviewing Tony and Mark, um, we, we want to, you know, hear their opinions. We want to validate that they're right. real people, uh, that their intentions are, are, are sound and, and, you know, they're trying to move the technology forward. And so, you know, that's where we're able to then recommend, you know, projects like Coda works and, and Coda made, um, and, and probably a similar thing happens with you guys in the art world. It's not just sending a picture and you post it. You're going to want to know the history. You're going to want to do an, an entire interview with these people. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, That's right. And it's also, you know, we're, we're, we're solely based in public art, right? So, um, you know, and based on the background that Coda Works already had in the history and the, the, the complete immersion that they had in, in the public art space, um, you know, it, it made it easy to know which artists we wanted to work with at the beginning and, um, you know, and engaging with them, you know, 100% of them said, yes, tell me more about this. How do I get engaged? And, and, and how do you do it? So, um, you know, the, in the art world, everyone's familiar with what's going on, you know, in the NFT space, but, you know, I'll, I'll say this almost a hundred percent of them had dabbled or tried to get in and just weren't able to navigate 
you know, it's <clears throat> most of the NFT art that's being created now, large percentages of it are not being created by artists that were working artists that were working, you know, prior to getting into NFTs, right? Uh, you know, and you do have some and they're generally successful. And even when you had the downturn and the crash, you know, those, you know, I would say professional artists that had been working, producing quality work, that their values stayed higher. You know, um, Corey Van Lu, who I talked about before, you know, he was a working artist prior to getting into NFTs. You know, he had um, he was a painter. He had done some stuff with Disney on uh, the, the Soul movie. Um, so he had had some 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 good successes prior to NFTs. But he right place, right time, got into it, loved the space, understood how to market himself. Um, and his work's amazing. So that helps, you know. Um, so, you know, as he did that, he was able to navigate the space. But, you know. He doesn't enjoy spending eight hours a day on on social media, you know. Instead of, you know, more time. I, I don't know who does. <laughs> yeah, not me. So yeah, so you know, so with that, that was the questions and from the artists in our, you know, how, how you know how do we navigate this space and how do we do it? And so, you know, what Codemate's trying to do is, you know, bring in the existing art community and show them the value of these of NFTs and you know what you can do with this artwork. And it's a new medium, just like, you know, photography. At what, one what's point. the it, it, yeah. So, as far as playing with this new medium and, and launching this new product, what's what's been your favorite product that you guys are? Or, or I'm sorry, not product. Uh, <laughs> what's been your favorite NFT that you guys have launched? You know, uh, since since Codemade's gone live. Oh my god! I have my favorite. <laughs> Can I talk about every one of them? Yeah. Let me let me tell you. I, I I actually I cannot give you a favorite, but I will I will talk about one that I love very much that is so beautiful and powerful that we work, we work with a collective in Louisville, Kentucky called I Was Here. And it's a group of artists who had studios around a space in downtown that had been used to sell slaves. And their studios were around the square and the day after the 2016 election, they got together and decided to do something to make a statement. And they combined photography, music, um, poetry, and they created this amazing project um, with powerful images of uh, African-Americans and their children with sound and poetry woven into it. And they displayed them around the square. That, that year, they won a CODA award for one of the best projects, which took them to a national level. And we invited them to do an NFT. And Mark and his team created these NFTs that combine all of that, the music, the poetry, the photography, and the pieces that came out of that are just fabulous. And they've been selling well for us. And now they have a group that wants to, to display those NFTs in Times Square. So, so, I mean, that's, wow. and that's, a, that's another example. How do you take this and extend it beyond the original installation? Yep. You want to see you know, that and, NFT, and, don't you, Jay? 
I think you want to buy do. one. I do. That's, that's why I asked you to describe it. Let's, I was just in Times Square last week, so and I, I, I can entirely imagine how a, a very vivid and and vibrant um, piece of art. So again, it's the fact that it's the me- the medium is digital doesn't mean it's not you know a ton of work and ton of time and, and ton of effort mm-hmm. uh, and thought have gone into it. So it's amazing. Mark, what was uh, what, what's kind of the top of your head one that that you can think of that you really just loved working on? Um. I mean, they, they were all amazing in their own way. We picked seven very different artists to work with. So um, that, that one that Tony was talking about, I was here. That, that one was amazing. And, and working with that group in particular, um, those are called spirit portraits. And, you know, we brought them to life. Um, the, one that, the one that I really enjoyed and that I, has a lot of legs and, um, you know, has additional aspects that I, that I can describe as well. We're working with a, a professional percussionist uh, named Maria Finkelmeyer out of Boston and uh, she, her, her instrument that she uses, one of them is the marimba. And what we did with her was we took her mallets and we tracked her, the movements of her mallets and her arms using motion capture. And then we mapped the marimba and each key, um, each, each, um, you know, each key on the marimba, you know, had its own color. So she was able to actually, uh, she, she, she had this idea for these sound webs was, was her idea. So by tracking her movements as she played these songs that she wrote specifically for these NFTs, um, we were able to <clears throat> essentially paint these amazing sound webs um, with these original pieces of music and have her do it. So at the very core of the web, you, in white, you could see her little movements of these things and it just grew into this thing. And then using the 3D tools and the amazing artists that we have, you're able to do these fly-throughs through it. Um, that were all directed by the artists because, you know, we didn't want to get in the way of the artistic vision. We wanted to help basically her, whatever crazy idea she had, we wanted to bring it to life, right? So we don't want to be in the way and we don't want to affect, you know, we want to, we want to enhance. Um, so, you know, those were, you know, those were some of my favorites as far as what happened. I mean, there, there were so many great ones that, you know, it, it, I'm not going to say I had a favorite, but, uh, you know, that was the most fun. And I had actually, um, I met Maria Finkelmeyer at, at the first Coda Work Summit that I went to. And I was actually, we were going to work with her, you know, even if Coda Made hadn't become available. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, hadn't been created. So, um, and then something interesting with Maria's is um, we work with a local children's hospital down in Florida. Um, and we started talking to them about, um, you know, uh, similar to how, you know, they ring the bell when the, you know, when a patient's cured of cancer, right? So, the idea that she would create a small song that the kids could play um, as they are being cured from whatever ailment they have. And then an NFT could be created from the kids playing. And then every time another kid plays, it's added on and added on. Um, and we're working through the details to see if we can import some of um, like milestones in their lives from social media or from other things to, you know, and, and have this NFT be this constant growing kind of amazing things that they can sell to raise money for the, you know, for the hospital, similar to how they have the kids' drawings that they auction off. In this way, it could be these NFTs that could become valuable in some way or another. They have a lot of celebrities that come to the hospitals on visits. The celebrity could play, and that part could add to the NFT and continue to to, to raise money that way. So, um, you know, when you're asking about how how you see these NFTs being used, um, you know, you you put them in the hands of artists, and you you know, you're, you're going to get a billion different answers, you know, that are just, you know, some of them, some of them are amazing. Some of them are crazy. Some of them are, you know, um, you know, all over the place. But I think, um, you know, you're just going to see amazing uses for these things. 
And, yeah, and, and, and what I just loved about about the way you guys both just answered is is the energy, excitement, and and curiosity. Um, mm-hmm. It's digital. You 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 guys have the the world is your oyster. You can work with any artist any in the anywhere in the world. Time zones is the only challenge you you, you struggle with, mm-hmm. um, and and so you're really defining almost a new at, new part of this this art class, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a, a merger between physical, digital, um, and and then there's a third part that I'm, I I can't define, but clearly there's there's something that's merging these things in there. It's a little bit of community, a little bit of of utility. Um, but, but Tony, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, Jay, I, I thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. You, you get it. You get it. Thank you so much. What, what I wanted to add, because I think it's uh, a, a good uh, way to reinforce this, Maria Finkelmeyer, the uh, percussionist, was in our world because she started creating pr- um, projection mapping pieces. So she would do music and she would project onto a building or the roof of, of a room that she... So she was already connecting, using technology to connect her music to... Um, uh, something that changed the space. So she was creating placemaking pieces through her music. And um, that that's a, a real important point because when you say public art, people immediately think the bean because big public sculpture is certainly a very important part of our world. But the public art world has is changing. It's incorporating sound. It's it's certainly technology, and and so it you know here you have a group of artists who project uh, spirit portraits on the sides of buildings. It it it's it's a greatly expanding world, which is part of what makes it so exciting for me. And it it all of the artists doing that kind of work are perfect. To think about for NFTs. No, I, I absolutely love that. Um, so as we kind of draw to a close here with uh, with the podcast, and again, I'm I'm really enthralled and excited to see the roadmap you guys have continued to build out. Um, just some thoughts about how any aspiring artists or in, uh, you know kind of very interested investors, um, as well as potential community members, um, should be thinking about where the space is going in your minds over the next few years. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you. Um wherever your mind takes you, right? So, um, you know, we're talking with a large U.S. auto uh, manufacturer about doing a Pokemon Go style road trip game where they could, as the cars drive, they could collect. um, They would commission and collect NFTs from public works that are in and around municipalities, right? So, um, yeah, you know, it's, you know, ask questions. You know, if you want to know how to get in, ask questions and be curious and just, um, you know, that's, you know, that, that's the best way, you know? So it's, um, you know, realistically, if you have an idea, investigate it and see how, you know, see what you can do with it. There's probably, there's, there's so many avenues that, that can be done in web three and NFTs that, you know, metaverses, um, you know, and I don't be scared, right. People always, Oh, metaverse. It sounds scary. I was like, the Sims was theoretically a metaverse, right. They've been around forever. Any, any video game ecosystem is a metaverse. It's not, it's not scary. You know, it's, Mm-hmm. It's it's actually pretty simple once you break it down, and so, um, you know, and and that idea, um, you know, another another uh, someone else that we're working with that does something uh, 
with architecture. Um, they, they, uh, one of their, um, you know, one of their events got, got, uh, skipped because of COVID in 2021 mm. or 2022, I can't remember, you know, and they essentially want to redo that in the, in the metaverse so that all those artists that did all this amazing work don't get, don't get skipped over. And then they want to, uh, you know, commemorate all the, all the events going forward in the metaverse. So somebody could do a, you know, a historical walkthrough year after year in these things and they exist forever. Right. And you could buy NFTs of these pieces and, you know, again, same thing. Most, most everyone seems to have a charity or something that they want to attach these things to, right. Education, other things. So, you know, those, those are the conversations that we're having and, and they're just some of the most interesting conversations I've ever had in my professional career. I love that. And and one of these days we'll find a new word for metaverse because uh, mm-hmm. Facebook has kind of ruined it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. but the idea of an alternate reality uh, mm-hmm. is, is absolutely, and I, I'm very excited to, to, to kind of see where these things go. And we do believe very much in, in you know, quote unquote metaverse or, or an immersive, um, you know, kind of experience for people. Tony, what, what's what's your thoughts as we uh, as we head towards close for anyone that's, you know, kind of interested in this and, and wants to learn some more? Thank you for asking that, Jay. Um, so uh, first of all, I'll, I'll admit that I'm a socialist at heart, and I hope that doesn't scare away any potential investors. But um, I, I believe that the NFT world offers the opportunity for artists to use their creativity, create new artworks, and have the proceeds of those artworks go to support the artist, go back into the community to support additional public art being created, and to go to the causes that so many of these artists support. We, you know, we have huge numbers of projects being created around climate change, uh, social justice issues. I mean, just a whole host. Artists are touched by those issues and they try and create artwork that speaks to those issues. So imagine if there is a system, which the NFTs offer, where those some of those proceeds can go to the causes that the artists believe in. And I even think that the NFT world has the potential of turning nonprofit fundraising on its ear. I fully agree with you there. And the concept, you know, to, to make it clear for our viewers that may not understand, um, a lot of what Tony's talking about is smart contracts attached mm-hmm. to these NFTs again. So the theoretically what you could do on any sale is you could have royalties and, and those royalties can be split amongst um any, there's an un, unlimited number of sources. So if you want the artist out of, if there's a 10%, as you guys said, um, you guys are taking your 10% cut. If the artist said, hey, I would like another 10% of the sale to go, you know, 1% to charity, 1% to community, 1% right. to, you know, the X, Y, and Z, and then even drive down even further to micro um, transactions, like there is no limit on this. Right. Um, and so I entirely, entirely agree with you that, you know, this, it's a game changer. The sooner that, that, the world accepts smart contracts uh, as a valid, you know, kind of transaction source. Uh, the sooner we're going to see a lot more uh, change, I mm-hmm. think, in the way that people want to, because you have the transparency that showcases. It's not someone saying, "Hey, if you buy this artwork, I promise I'm going to save the dolphins and save the whales." Mm-hmm. And then you are you going to follow up? You don't know. Um, but with with uh, the digital technology that, that Tony's talking about. 
at the time of transactions, you can validate and verify that the money went where, where they said it was going to go and that it's you, you had the social good that you wanted. So I love this so much, guys. Uh, real quick, if anyone wants to know more, they want to kind of follow up uh, it, or, or work with uh, CodaMade or CodaWorks, where can they best find you guys? Right you now, can find me. <clears throat> yep. And, go, and go for it, Tony. You can All find right. me at Tony at CodaWorks.com. Fabulous. And Mark? Same. Mark at yeswearemad.com. But you can also go through uh, codamade.com. We, we have a link to get in touch with us there. Fabulous. Fabulous. Uh, Tony and Mark, uh, thank you so much from YWales. YWales, this is Coda Made, Coda Works, and a ton of excitement in around the space. Uh, guys, don't go anywhere. I will, uh, we'll, we'll catch up here in a second, but I'm going to stop the recording. Uh, YWales, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Be good. YWales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.